Hi there, and welcome back to Out There, a crypto podcast. I'm your host, Josh. On the 13th of each month, I come out with a new episode focused on cryptids that I find super fascinating and weird. And if you still don't know what a cryptid is, it is defined as an animal that's been claimed to exist but never proven to exist. Cryptids don't have to be supernatural or mythical beings. Although many of them are, some cryptids have actually become documented animals. Make sure you go and follow the podcast on Instagram, at OutThereCryptids, and check out the posts I make for each episode and send some suggestions you'd like to hear. Happy spooky month! I hope the best month of the year is treating you well so far. But before we get started, I felt the need to preface the length of this episode, because the last time there was a shorter episode, there were some negative comments and messages. So, as you can see, this episode is pretty short, but the good news is there will also be a Halloween special this month. So, we've got that to look forward to. But more importantly, this pretty famous cryptid doesn't have a lot on it. I still, of course, want to cover it because it's super cool. So, keep all that in mind and enjoy the episode. Today's episode is similar to many things we've discussed here. A mysterious flying creature that sounds something straight out of Scooby-Doo. This month, we are talking about the famous Van Meter Monster. Let's dive in. The Van Meter Monster is a cryptid that emerged from the shadows over a century ago, instilling fear and fascination from the moment it was sighted. Descriptions of this creature vary, but the most common description is a half-human, half-animal hybrid with large wings, glowing eyes, and a powerful stench. It is most commonly depicted as looking like a prehistoric creature. Van Meter, Iowa during the early 1900s was a small, close-knit community like many others in the rural America during that era. It's a town in Dallas County, Iowa, located in the central part of the state. In the early 1900s, the population was around a few hundred residents. The local economy was primarily based on agriculture. Like many towns in Iowa, Van Meter was surrounded by farmland, where crops like corn and soybeans were cultivated. Livestock farming, included cattle and hogs, was also a significant part of the local economy. There was even a coal mine that played a significant role in the community's economy during that time, providing employment and contributing to the local industry. Social gatherings, church activities, and community events were central to the social life of the town. People would come together for church services, town meetings, and various local celebrations. Entertainment in small towns often revolved around local events such as fairs, dances, and baseball games. Many communities had their own baseball teams, which provided a source of entertainment and community pride. But it is worth noting that in the early 1900s, it was a time when folklore and local legends were an integral part of the community culture. But then, in early October of 1903, the town be thrust into the spotlight of its very own legend. It was a moonlit night, the air thick with a mysterious stillness. Eugene Griffith, the esteemed bank president, trudged wearily through the deserted streets on his way to work. But little did he know, an encounter of the most horrifying kind awaited him. As he turned a corner, his steps faltered, his heart racing. There, perched upon the roof of the town's bank, was a grotesque creature unlike anything he had ever seen. Its eyes blazed with an unearthly glow, casting an eerie light upon its horned head. 
The stench that emanated from the creature was putrid, enough to make one's stomach churn. Yuji Griffith froze in terror, watched as the creature unfurled its immense wings, casting a shadow that engulfed him. The monster emanated an otherworldly screech that pierced the night, echoing through the empty streets. And with a powerful leap, it soared into the inky sky, leaving Yuji Griffith trembling and bewildered. In the days that followed, a wave of sightings gripped the town. Residents reported encounters with the Van Meter monster, describing its unnerving ability to cling to walls, shoot beams of blinding light, and even emanate a noxious gas. Panic consumed the community as the creature roamed the streets at night, terrorizing the inhabitants. Among the most notable sightings was that of Dr. A.F. Kelly, a respected physician. Then, a brave soul ventured where others feared to tread. Dr. A.F. Kelly, a respected physician, descended into the depths of the town's coal mine, hoping to unearth the truth behind the terror that plagued Van Meter. Little did he know, he was about to face a horror beyond comprehension. Deep within the mine's oppressive darkness, Dr. Kelly's lantern barely pierced the gloom. Suddenly, a pair of glowing eyes appeared, fixated upon him. The doctor, his heart pounding, raised his trembling gun and fired. But the bullets only ricocheted off the creature's impenetrable hide, as if mocking the futility of his efforts. The Van Meter monster, unscathed, unleashed a bone-chilling screech that reverberated through the mine, causing the very walls to tremble. Dr. Kelly, gripped by sheer terror, stumbled backward, fleeing the coal mine, as though pursued by the devil himself. Now, Dr. Kelly ventured into the town's coal mine in an attempt to investigate the origin of the strange occurrences. Instead, he found himself face to face with the Van Meter monster, its glowing eyes piercing through the darkness. The doctor promptly fired his gun at the creature, but the bullet seemed to have no effect, merely ricocheting off its body. As the Van Meter monster continued its reign of terror, an intrepid group of townspeople, led by a local journalist named Ralph S. Riggs, resolved to hunt down the creature and put an end to the nightmare. Armed with guns and torches, they bravely patrolled the streets, determined to confront the monstrous enigma head-on. However, just as abruptly as the Van Meter monster appeared, it vanished, leaving behind a community forever changed. The sightings ceased, and life in Van Meter slowly returned to normal. But the legend of the Van Meter monster persisted, captivating the minds of cryptozoologists and skeptics alike for years to come. Now, let's explore some possible explanations for this perplexing phenomena. Some researchers propose that the Van Meter monster was an undiscovered species, a remnant of prehistoric times that somehow survived into the modern era. They speculate that its ability to emanate light and gas could be a natural defense mechanism. But 
On this same thought, others have said that perhaps it was just a pterodactyl that survived extinction. Problem is that pterodactyls did not live in what is now Iowa, USA. A little bit about pterodactyls. They were a group of flying reptiles known as pterosaurs that lived during the Mesozoic era, specifically in the late Jurassic and early Cretaceous periods, approximately 145 to 66 million years ago. Iowa, as we know it today, did not exist during that time. During the Mesozoic era, the area that is now Iowa was covered by a shallow sea called the Western Interior Seaway. This seaway was home to marine reptiles like mosasaurs and plesiosaurs, but not pterodactyls. Pterodactyls primarily inhabited regions around the world with suitable environments such as coastal areas and inland lakes. It is important to note that while pterodactyls are often associated with the term pterodactyl in pop culture, the term refers to a specific genus within the pterosaur group. Pterosaurs were a diverse group of flying reptiles, and not all of them were pterodactyls. Therefore, there is no evidence to suggest that pterodactyls or any other pterosaur lived in what is now Iowa, USA, during their existence in prehistoric times. Others suggest a more paranormal explanation. Could the Van Meter monster be a creature from another dimension, momentarily crossing into our reality, leaving a trail of fear and confusion in its wake? Such theories point to the creature's ability to defy conventional physical laws and its seemingly supernatural attributes. However, there is so much speculation in it and truly not enough sightings to even begin to theorize all of these concepts. Skeptics, on the other hand, argue that the Van Meter monster sightings were a result of mass hysteria or elaborate hoaxes, or maybe it was a known animal that was misidentified and the imagination just took over. Several real animals, particularly large birds or bats, could potentially be mistaken for pterodactyls or other pterosaurs due to similarities in their appearance and flying behavior. Of course, there are the large birds of prey, but the only one that comes close to the size of a pterodactyl is an Andean condor or California condor. We've talked about both of these in the first episode of the podcast, The Thunderbird, but both have impressive wingspans that can reach up to 10 feet, and when they are soaring in the sky, their broad wings and flight patterns might resemble the silhouette and gliding motion associated with pterodactyls. Problem is, they are not native to Iowa. It isn't impossible that one was there, and maybe that could have led to the misidentification because they are creepy for sure. They just don't have light emanating from their heads. There are plenty of other large bird species that could have been our cryptid here too, but the next one I want to throw out there is uh, our favorite, the Greater Sandhill Crane. That's right, the culprit of almost every sighting of most cryptids at this point. <laughs> the Greater Sandhill Crane is a large bird with a height ranging from three to four feet and a wingspan of about six to seven feet. They have a distinctive grayish plumage with a red crown on their head. These cranes are primarily found in North America. They have a wide distribution ranging from the Arctic and Siberia to the southern United States and Mexico. They are known to migrate long distances, and they inhabit a variety of wetland and grassland habitats, including marshes, bogs, and prairies. 
they are often seen in open fields and agricultural areas. They are known for their loud, distinctive calls, which can carry for long distances. They use these calls for communication with their flocks. Their call is a haunting sound that many describe as loud, resonant, and bugling. It's often compared to the rolling, trumpeting bugle of a musical instrument. And let me tell you, I saw a sandhill crane for the first time recently while I was out golfing, and honestly, I completely understand why they are linked with cryptid sightings so often. It was huge and creepy looking during the daylight, so I can only imagine what it's like at night and when there's some sort of anxiety and fear involved. It's important to note that while these animals may bear some superficial similarities to pterodactyls or other pterosaurs, they are distinct species with their characteristics and behaviors. Misidentification can occur due to distance, lighting conditions, or limited familiarity with the particular animal species in question. But I want to finish off with an excerpt from a Reddit thread called Science Behind Cryptids. It sums up pretty much exactly what I am thinking, and what I'm sure most of you are thinking right now too. This was written by the user at FastingCat and was posted three years ago. I've been studying the legend of the Van Meter visitor for a long time, and I've discussed it with many of the town's local experts as well as the authors of the books. As a skeptic, I find many of the details of the accounts can be explained logically. Some of the connections are slight stretch, but are still by far the most likely, in my opinion. However, I have never come up with or come across a plausible explanation for a detail mentioned in numerous accounts. A bright beam of light emanating from the creature's horn slash head. I thought of bioluminescence or perhaps the reflection of moonlight, a streetlight off the creature's head, but neither would have been described as a bright beam of light unless the accounts were embellished, which I'm not ruling out, but I can't exactly prove or make a case for. Van Meter was a mining town, so at first the idea of a mining helmet being the source seemed likely, but because the creature was fired upon in several accounts, the idea that it was a human perpetrated hoax becomes unlikely. To quote the authors of the book, who goes out to get shot at three nights in a row? I don't want to turn this into a wall of text, but it's safe to say that I'm almost certain that humans weren't behind any of the accounts. I am reasonably sure that it was a misidentified known species of animals, perhaps a larger than average one. The known behavior presents in a single species would explain the majority of the details in the accounts, but I've never heard any solid theory behind this single detail, and it's the last piece of the puzzle. At this point, I'm wondering if some asshole didn't slap a mining helmet on a wild animal, because it's the only thing I can think of. But even then, a mining helmet wouldn't have stayed lit over the week in which the accounts happened. So, what do you think? Is the Van Meter monster really out there? We are on Instagram, at OutThereCryptids, so make sure to follow us and tell us all of your thoughts on the cryptids we cover and what you'd like to hear next. It would mean a lot to us if you go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. It's a great way for others to find the podcast and enjoy, just like you. One month from today, I will be covering a cryptid that prowls the dense Louisiana bayou under the moonlit sky, its eyes gleaming with sinister intent as it seeks its unsuspecting prey.
we'll be talking about the Rougarou. See you next month. This episode is written and hosted by me, Josh, with logo designed by Jason Sykes and theme music from purpleplanet.com.